You are listening to the regular version of Sexy Marriage Radio, smrnation.com. You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex happens in the marriage bed. Here's your host, Dr. Corey Allen. Welcome to Sexy Marriage Radio. Yeah. Alongside my wife, Pam, as always. Glad to be here. Having conversations about married life and love and sex and all that that entails. So many things that are encompassed in that. (laughs) And what's been fun is lately... Uh, with some of the different guests that we've had, we've ventured beyond the world of, of sex and marriage and just gotten into the life in marriage right. and our individual existences in right. marriage because we've always had the thought that whatever you're responsible for in, in life, that's what you're responsible for, which that begins and ends with you. Right. And they all bleed over into one another, don't they? Absolutely. Uh, they all work off each other in yeah. concert, in tandem, hopefully, but sometimes it can run amok mm-hmm. and cause all kinds of struggles. Mm-hmm. And then one of the things we often hear from the Sexy Marriage Radio Nation is, yeah, I started I started with you guys because I was trying to find a way to fix my spouse. And lo and behold, I recognized I got to deal with me. Right. That's the best way to do anything. That is absolutely the best way. And so if you are part of the Sexy Marriage Radio Nation, which is if if you're listening to this show, then you're part of the SMR Nation. Welcome. Um, (laughs) We want to hear from you. We want to hear what's going on in your world, what questions you may have or uh, comments or thoughts. And the way you can get to the front of the line with that is call us at 214-702-9565. Or you can always email us at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. And that's where uh, that helps set the stage and the path of where we go with every episode of SMR. And if you want to go even deeper into the world of SMR, um, then that's when you want to join the Academy. And we have two different levels. We have the extended and then we have the go all the way with us. Mm -hmm. And just recently from the show that we did um, that was entitled, My Wife's Not Sexually Attracted to Me, Mm -hmm. there was a comment on Facebook that came in. From a wife saying, hey, where's the, what's the extended version and how can I hear it? Because she wasn't even aware. And so I jumped on as, you know, just to give her, here's the link to the SMR Academy, which is smrnation.com forward slash SMR Academy. Mm-hmm. And I love it because right after I made that comment, someone else made an unsolicited plug for the extended content. The additional content in the podcast is great, but I found the real value to be the Slack forum, which is where we have the... 24-7 dialogues going on with members that are part of the academy. Part of the academy, yeah. And his, his further last comment is, the encouragement and openness of the SMR nation is worth the price of admission. And I have to wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, shout out to everyone in the academy and for the um, support that they give and receive. And uh, it's a great group of people. Yeah, the community has been created. Yeah. Uh, among the people that are part of the All the Way With Us Academy mm-hmm. uh, is is it's gold. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's worth it because it is a place that there are lots of different dialogues and conversations that go on that, man, they are judgment-free zones to be able to just explore what's oh, going yeah. on in, war, in, in my life and what's other people's experiences. And so that's, I cannot plug it enough. Mm-hmm. And so we wanted to share that. Uh, if you're interested, smrnation.com forward slash smracademy is where you can see all the different levels that are available. Um, and we hope, hope to see you there on the inside. Mm-hmm. 
Well, coming up on today's regular free version of Sexy Marriage Radio is a conversation that I had with Dr. Melanie Greenberg that she has a book out entitled The Stress-Proof Brain, and she's talking about mindfulness and neuroplasticity and how it impacts us in life and with today's environment of the unknown and uncertainty and what's life going to look like on the other side of this and how do we reopen and what's safe, what's not in an invisible environment of what we have as far as fear and uncertainty. Uh, this is a very appropriate conversation. Yeah, I, I definitely say so. We have, uh, there's so many ways we react and we don't realize we're even under stress until a week later and you think, why have I been so far off base? Right. Why, you know, why am I reacting this way? And um, I know I, I've done this, especially early on in this whole COVID and social distancing and um, there's just a lot of areas that there is stress there yeah. and we don't even necessarily realize it. Right. And so on the regular version, she and I talk about what do you do with that? How do you address it? How do you, what's the difference between chronic and acute? And there's a lot of, a lot of very valuable information in this. And then coming up in the extended version of today's episode of Sexy Marriage Radio, which is deeper, longer, and there's no ads, you can subscribe at smrnation.com forward slash smracademy, as I mentioned earlier. Uh, we continue the conversation to talk about how does this impact in marriage? Because what's fascinating to me is the way just you and I, for example, the way you interact and deal and confront with stress is different than the way I will interact and deal and confront with stress. And sometimes those will overlap in not very positive ways. Sure. You know, your stress approach might be counter to mine and it's going to drive me crazy. And so we talk about in in a little more in detail of what do you do with that? How do you, Mm -hmm. how do you confront that when when you're talking about this kind of environment or just life? Yeah, in the world we in live general. in, yeah, um, and how it impacts marriage. Mm-hmm. So all that's coming up on today's show. So my guest today for Sexy Marriage Radio, and this is a timely conversation because Dr. Melanie Greenberg has a book out entitled The Stress-Proof Brain, Mastering Your Emotional Response to Stress Using Mindfulness and Neuroplasticity. And Melanie, I'm assuming I can speak for you here that at the current state of the world in which we are recording this with the pandemic and the world opening back up, um, you probably would agree that this work you're doing and the research that you've done to create it, uh, it's timely because there's quite a great deal of stress happening in our world. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and stress, you know, that we didn't predict. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> who, who would have ever known uh, the size and scope of, of what's going on. But uh, thank you for taking some time with me today. And I want to just dive right into the idea of when you're talking about stress and its impact on a body and on a person, um, what are some of the main things we need to be aware of? Okay, thank you. So stress, um, the stress response sends us into fight or flight. So what does that mean? It's kind of an emergency part of our brain takes over. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a part of the brain called the amygdala, which is designed to mo- look for threats in the environment and basically prepare us to take action right. or to run away. And that's because our ancestors used to face threats like lions and tigers. Yeah. And so time that got wired into the brain. And so basically stress can make you go into fight or flight. What does that look like? 
well, when you're in fight, you can be irritable, you can be jumpy, you can be your thoughts can be all over the place, you can be shouting at you, at your partner, you know, before you even realize that you're doing it. Right. Um, and flight can be just you know that you're anxious, that it's hard, that you're not connecting with your partner because you're just you're in a runaway kind of a mode. Or okay. Keep yourself busy so you don't think about the stress. And what's interesting about the stress response is at the same time as fight or flight takes over, is that another part of your brain that's to do more with rest and digestion and actually sexuality is shut down. Really? Because, those, yeah, those are non-essential functions. Uh-huh. You know, those are day-to-day functions. I mean, they're important, but if you're facing a tiger, but yeah, in the in the in the yeah in the moment of if I'm wandering, let's go back to the ancestry kind of framework of this. If I'm wandering through the countryside and I come across a lion, in the moment, uh, sex is probably not on my mind. Exactly. Right. <laughs> it's not. It's it's not a paramount need or desire at that moment. Instead, it's about uh, I might need to get away. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Same thing. And you wouldn't be eating your breakfast, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> true. <laughs> All of a sudden, my hunger's gone. So it's it's deal with something else. I got you. Um. So the and we're wired to for the stress response to come up. For it to be functional, that will will have a strong response to deal with some stressor that's manageable. Okay, and then that we you know that you get to safety, and then you go into recovery, and then you go back to rest and digest, and have se- and be sexual. Okay, um, the problem is with this kind of stressor like COVID nineteen, is that it doesn't end. It's right. not like this- period you know that you can say okay now i'm safe and so now i can just you know let go of fight or flight it tends to require vigilance we're vigilant you know what's going on in the world and right. is it safe to go out and you know should i wear my mask should i open back up and so that gets in the way of 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 going into recovery mode basically and and Okay. Focusing on other things. Right. Because as as you're talking about this, I was sitting here just writing a couple little notes real quick. And right before you started saying that, I was writing down the different is there a difference between acute stress or situational in that sense of, you know, something that truly is a um a safety, a my survival is at stake, which is with the amygdala's purpose in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And then they're also talking about in the context now, chronic where there's just this ongoing kind of a state of things that um, is obviously going to have a fallout to us, but is there a difference in the way the brain reacts to those or can it differentiate between the two? So there is a difference. Um, it's a difference not only in how the brain reacts, but also on the health effects. So acute stress doesn't have as bad a health effect, although it can still be toxic, you know, if you, if it's a trauma or something like that. Right. But you can also have a kind of acute stress where you master it. I mean, like running a marathon would be an acute stress or giving a speech yeah. or going to a job interview. But it, there's times you can master it and it can have a great outcome, you know, and you can prepare. And then it's actually kind of it's stressful at the time, but it's also enhancing. It also creates good feelings and excitement. Okay. And is it also because it, it has an end? It has a set end point? Because yeah. like, like a marathon, I'm heading towards that finish line. I mean, that's that's the yeah. point of yeah. it. Exactly. Okay. And you're done and you can just enjoy that, you know, that relief and the fruit of your labors. Right. 
Um, but with chronic, when there isn't an end, it's what happens is that, that your brain can keep releasing uh, adrenaline and cortisol and all these kind of um, neurotransmitters that make your heart beat faster and right. make your breathing shallower. And as a result, it can be much more fatiguing on your body long term. Okay. Your immune system can get out of balance and you can get inflammation. Right. Because cortisol is that when when your brain gets flooded in cortisol, it really starts limiting function. Yeah, exactly. Cortisol can sometimes attack a part of your brain called the hippocampus, which is your verbal memory center. Mm -hmm. And also your executive functioning, you know, can, can not be working as well because the amygdala is in charge rather than your, your prefrontal cortex, which is kind of your, your CEO of the brain. Right. The brain doesn't have a CEO. It's just, it's just reacting. <laughs> That's right. right. That's when, well, I got a bunch of different analogies. I'm not even going to try to bring them up just because <laughs> some of them get into a little dicey on the characteristics of them. But so if you're talking about uh, the impact of stress and then the work that you've got of just stress proofing your brain, how does one go about doing that? So mindfulness is a big piece of it. Okay. And what mindfulness is, is it's a way of relating to the world where, and to yourself, where you're kind of, you're open to your own experience and you, you are just trying to stay in the moment and be compassionate and be, uh, be, be more, not only reacting, but the observer of your reactions. Okay. You can you can see you know like how are things going here? Do I want to be reacting this way? And if not, let me slow things down and calm things down. Um, and it's also a way to wire in recovery because if you're practicing mindfulness meditation, for example, or if you're just slowing things down and you know like having an observer stance and taking things slower, as your body starts calming down and. Uh, Focusing on the senses, mm-hmm. like what you smell, hear, feel, see, or like say you have a walk in nature would be an example. It's very calming to your nervous system and it takes you out of fight or flight. So that's a big piece of it. Okay. Um, yeah, because that one. Of, sorry, to, sorry to interrupt you. One of the questions that comes to my mind is: is if I'm trying to be mindful in the midst of a stress-inducing uh, situation. Mm-hmm. It seems to me that uh, it's harder then to be in touch with my senses because it would almost be like all the resources are being funneled, you know, to to whatever the situation is. But you're talking about just a more uh, full functioning response would be, all right, how do I slow myself down and then become aware of those and use that act in and of itself as a way to get more in tune with what's really going on? Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. I guess you could think of it, so being aware of your senses can be a practice that you do, you know, like a stress management, some people jog, for example. Mm-hmm. It can be a stress management practice that you do once a day, for example, and at that point, you'll just be focusing on your senses. You won't be trying to deal with the stressor. Right. So it's kind of, it's giving your brain a period of rest and relief. Uh, so that's one piece, but you can, if you're being mindful, you know, throughout your day, while you're going about trying to deal with COVID, that you would, you'd be mindful of how you're thinking, how you're acting, you know, am I keeping myself safe? Is, is, 
you know, am I making a wise choice here? You know, does this choice make sense? Okay. Am I relating to, you know, other people? Okay. Am I considerate of keeping them safe? Am I acting according to my values? Those would be some examples of okay. how I... So th- this, is, this is almost... Because w- what I'm hearing you describe, Melanie, is this idea of how, am I, how do I have self-awareness? But mm-hmm. it's almost objective. It's almost third-party self-aware. You know, I have a little bit of component of my experience of observing mm-hmm. me from outside of, of my experience to a degree. Not just being fully immersed to where I'm tossed to and from, but then I'm guessing you could also right. say, I don't want to be fully disconnected from right. the experience of what's going on too. Exactly. So you can't, you're operating at two levels in a way. Okay. Probably engaging the two dif- different areas in your brain. Absolutely. Um, and, but it's helpful because if, if you're not observing, then you may not be making as wise a choice. Like you'd be more led by your fear, for example, or right. by other things like, seeing other people as dangerous something like okay. that. Okay. Cause are you in the camp that has, um, if we're fully led by our emotions, uh, that can often cause a little bit of collateral damage, if not at times a lot of collateral damage, cause our emotions aren't always, uh, logical. That doesn't fit together in the right framework, <laughs> but that our, yeah, our, our emotions are reactive and destructive sometimes just because sometimes. Yeah. It's just yeah. it's just instinct. It's just response. It's not a thought through, hold on. What's an appropriate response to this? Right. I mean, I think emotions have their uses in like they, they have a function to give us information. Sure. The state of the world or about the state of ourselves. But what happens if they re intense and too intense and reactive, they can be overblown from the for the situation. And they can, you know, make you kind of be more too impulsive. Mm-hmm. Or so I believe emotions have a function, but it's but you need to kind of calm them down to the level that they can yeah, be useful. Not just not just let them run amok and and run the whole show because that's exactly. that creates too much of an issue. And I think that's 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 kind of what I'm picking up from you in all of this. Really, is um, I've I've kind of come into the framework of. Uh, life is a bell curve. If you think about our existence and our goal is to avoid the extremes of those bell curves. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Because I also going yeah. one or the other is where we get into, you know, we'll start having fallout that's not beneficial to ourselves or others. But if we can stay somewhere in that, and that gives us freedom in the sense of I can be more towards my emotional side and still be in tune and in check. And I can be more towards my logical side and still be in, in tune and in check. And, I'm better right. functioning that way. So, I mean, one question you can ask yourself is, you know, can I think and feel at the same time? Okay. Because um, if you're emotionally flooded, you generally can't think. Right. Very well. Or sometimes you can get into a kind of a detached state where you're just thinking and judging. Right. But you're really connected emotionally. And sometimes that can happen between couples where one's in a kind of a judging mode you know try, or trying to fix things trying to solve a problem and the other one's more in an emotional mode like, right you know, feeling bad and i want you to listen and care right so the people miss each other and the other one's like well, why are you being so irrational and it, yeah you, you miss each you other and it's right. personal <laughs> yeah exactly right. <laughs> so you made a comment just a few minutes ago about in the moment of these stressful times learning compassion 
that expand on that because I'm assuming you mean self-compassion in there too, because that's a huge component of, of our existence and being better. Sure. Exactly. Self-compassion and other compassion, but self-compassion tends to be what we struggle with the most. Often it's easier to feel compassion for other people and we tend to be hard and critical on ourselves and especially under stress. I think under stress, we can react by turning on ourselves, beating us, you know, criticizing ourselves, feeling shame, like why are we in this bad situation? Maybe we did, why didn't we prepare better? Or maybe we did something. We look for what we did wrong right. to cause right. and why we're not enough. Uh, and then also we can be like too demanding of ourselves. Yeah. For example, you know, having to do lockdown and be, just as productive as you always are, you know, not having any space for the stress and, or maybe you should be, you know, like having the perfect house or something like that, or, or baking a five course meal every night. Right. I mean, you know, you may choose to do that, to do something, the house or a nice cooking sometimes, but again, you can get into perfectionism and that can get in your way. Right, because the drive of it really isn't for yourself. It's for perception of something else or some. Uh, uh, I'm looking for something from something external, which is typically a lot of the time where that's what's driving me rather than I'm letting people see who I really am. Right, exactly. And so that's to be too demanding or too, too based on the external or to be too self-critical and shame-based both of them are not healthy for you. Although many of us, or all of us, have these tendencies. Sure. Being human. But we need to learn how do we how do we stand up for ourselves against them, I suppose. You know, okay. how, do, how do we give ourselves the space to have more choice? Or how do we allow ourselves to understand what our own needs and feelings are and to listen to them and to and to allow them. Okay. And, and that's where, so is that like suspending judgment on the feelings to where they're just almost much more neutral rather than being judgmental? Cause don't we get into this habit of something happens? So let, let's go with, let's go with the, the COVID and the quarantine and I've been locked down for seven weeks and, mm-hmm. and I'm feeling depressed and I immediately okay. then feel mad or down and judgmental on my on the fact that I feel down rather than what if I suspend judgment on I feeling depressed and I see it as, well, yeah, I could see why I could feel a little down <laughs> and, yeah, I, exactly. and I don't immediately go into the negative con- connotation of that. I go into the situational aspect of it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's part of self-compassion is kind of looking at the circumstances, it kind of viewing your behavior in the light of circumstances and being flexible. Yeah not being inflexible and just, you know, living by just kind of rigid rules. Right. Uh, you can live by your values, but you also have to also be flexible and don't have the same expectations of yourself when you're under severe stress than you are okay. you know, when things are light. So Allow pra- practice yourself. a little forgiveness of yourself too. Yeah. yeah. Allow yourself to be a bit tired, a bit lazy, a bit depressed. Okay. Well, uh, and I also... Whatever, but not not extreme, but just sure. Self to be human. Yeah, well, and I've I've come across this with some of the clients I've been working with as this thing has gone on, and and some of it is just 
you know, you make a comment in some of your work on just some of the simple things you can do that are situational. Because obviously, if you look at these objectively, you can get this idea of, oh, that makes sense on why I would be stressed about this, right? Totally. Whereas sometimes I just don't have that outward view, that objective view, and I'm kind of caught too caught up in the moment. The flip side of that I can use too to some of my clients that are like, man, I don't know what it is, Corey. I've just been down. I've just been... I, I'm not productive, you know, and they're just kind of listing this whole thing of just, they're in a, a pretty good funk. Mm, and, exactly. And a lot of times I will, I have two go-to questions with that. One is when was the last time you took a shower? <laughs> <laughs> because if they're not going anywhere, sometimes they just, you just, oh, you know what? It's actually sure. been, it's actually been three days. Well, then maybe that's what you need to do. As soon as we hang up, go shower. Um, and put on a fresh set of clothes, actually dress up like you're going to go do something, not just the top half for the, for the zoom call, do the full dress, <laughs> you know? And then, and then the other go-to is just, when's the last time you exercise? And you alluded to that on, you know, whenever you can jog or do some of these things, it gives the brain a break. Right. It releases the stress. Exactly. Because you're, di- it's, it lets the body kind of do some work for the brain, even though the brain's really, you know leading the charge but it gives some of those areas to just kind of unwind yeah exactly it's so important i mean they you alluded to things that i think are important one is routine and i think like routine kind of keeps our brain happy yeah it makes us feel things are meaningful yeah and makes us feel productive and things like that and it sort of it just keeps a normality so it's not taken over by chaos and panic and then the second thing is exercise and exercise has a lot of benefits it's, it's good for depression uh it, it lifts your mood you know there's a dopamine rush or these um, right like opioids you know like the relaxing hormones that are released um and the other thing with exercise it's really good for your brain so it actually there's a lot of research it helps you concentrate much better it helps you think clearly helps you be fo- um, focused and it helps you maybe inhibit distractions. So all of those are, are really sometimes to be more creative. All of those are really good for your brain as well. Absolutely. And I, I, I like the idea and the principle just because, I mean, Melanie, to me, as we kind of close out the first section uh, se- mm-hmm. segment of the show today, um, I'm sitting here just thinking through, okay, we live in a world right now that, it already has had a lot of stress. I mean, chronic stress is just a level of the Western world. It seems mm-hmm. just because you're just inundated with things. Now you add a whole nother level with the pandemic and an uncertainty, which mm-hmm. I think the brain freaks out. That's kind of what you're alluding to. Also, mm-hmm. the brain freaks out most to uncertainty. Exactly. <laughs> right? I don't have a quantifiable enemy that I can see to rally against in this thing. Instead, exactly. it's this whole big, it's everywhere unknown thing yes yeah. it's an invisible yeah. thing that i can't i can't put my finger on and so there's all kinds of fear that comes from that mm-hmm. but you're talking about okay just how do i come back and center myself get connected with the moment uh be aware of my self-talk be aware of just be an objective observer of of my existence and likely we'll start to find okay this has given me some cues that I can start to explore further that I can Mm -hmm. at least take the edge off a little bit. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, are you asking me how, or are you just summarizing? I, I think I'm just trying to see if that's kind of, I mean, I think that's where we've landed. Yeah, that is where we've landed. I agree. Yeah. And that's a good summary, I think. And then I'm trying to then, I, I guess I'll tee this up for the extended content for those that are uh, members of the Academy. Um, how then, because you, you can't just completely ever get rid of stress in your life. It's just it's right. going to happen. Right, exactly. So you're talking about building a better levels of tolerance to it, maybe. You're talking about better responses to it. But I'm mm -hmm. also curious, because you kind of teed it up a little bit with the idea of this plays out and can wreak havoc maritally. You know, when yeah. you're talking about relationships, because one person's stress environments are different than the others. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so let's go there here in just a minute, okay? Sure. So I, I have to give you a little bit of chance um, to let it, members of the SMR Nation, if they want to know more and find more of you, how, how can they find you and the books and the work that you do? Oh, sure. So my book is The Stress-Proof Brain, and you can find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, etc. Um, you can also go to my website, drmelaniegreenberg.com. Um, Melanie's M-E-L-A-N-I-E, G-R-E-N-B-E-R-G.com. Um, or you can Google me right. and you'll find all my links. Or, uh, I also write a blog for psychology today called The Mindful Self-Express. Perfect. And I'll put all that information in the show notes. So those of you that are listening in the SMR Nation and driving, don't try to write that down. That adds another level of stress. Drive drive safely and focus on what you're doing, please, instead. Uh, Melanie, thank you so much for the time you spent with me thus far. And uh, I'm excited to keep talking uh, in the extended content. Me too. Thank you. I'm wondering if there will ever be a time in this earth where we can live without stress. Wouldn't that be fabulous? <laughs> just, I just, I don't know. I mean, wishful thinking, yes. <laughs> but... <laughs> But it seems like the, the, that's just a, a, a part of human existence. It, it seems like it is. I mean, you know, we, we say there's no, there's good anxieties too, right? right. Bad and, and, and uh, good. And those are the things that mold us and shape us and form us. Right. And oh, but, you know, stress is here. It's, I, part, yeah, of, I it's wanna, part of it. It's part of it. And we got to learn to up, cope with it. Let's wrap up today's show with just the concept of a lot of times what life presents us is what we hope it will present us as we get the choice of this anxiety or no anxiety. But the reality is, is I get a choice of which anxiety do I want. Right. So the best thing I can do is lean into the conflict and the content that's happening in my life yeah. and deal with it better and respond better. And that's what we're trying to hope happens here with Sexy Marriage Radio. Mm -hmm. So if we left something undone, let us know, 214-702-9565 or feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. So wherever you are, whatever you've been doing, however you've been listening, thank you for taking some time out of your week to spend it again with us. We'll see you next time.